welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. On this week's episode, Halone set the scoring record, Dijon stayed dominant in the BCL, and Tenerife beat Peristeri in a battle of Group C unbeaten teams. Joining me to talk about all of that is Dave Hine. Uh, Dave, are you aware of the podcast curse this week? Every <coughs> guest we've had on the show lost this week. Uh, Keith Hornsby, Zoltan Pearl, Travis Simpson, Jean-Marc Wimmer all lost this week. Uh, o- Ostend even lost in the Belgian League. Uh, were you aware of this uh, this Halloween curse here? <laughs> I did not know that. So um, does the money go on? Uh, does the money go against Anvil next week? Uh, no, I didn't know that. Uh, I guess um, maybe uh, first month... Uh, and uh, let's see if maybe the second month of games can change things. Uh, welcome to November. And um, yeah, I, I I didn't know that. So sorry, sorry to all those uh, former guests on the show. Um, I I have a feeling that uh, that uh, it's it's uh, it's not us. It's it's not us. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Uh, best of luck to Tony Roten, who was our guest on this week's episode. Make sure you check that out. Uh, coming up a little bit later in the show, Dave caught up with Tony, who is playing for Anvil this year. They picked up their first win of the season. They talked about that and much more. So stay tuned for Tony Roten coming later in the show. And best of luck to him next week as he tries to break the BCL Coast to Coast podcast curse. Let's jump in, Dave, uh, from a great game day three with the team of the week. Leading it off, Jamie Smith from Bandirma had 29 points to hand Borgos their first loss of the BCL season. RJ Hunter from Turk Telecom, he had 25 points on 7 of 8 shooting from the three-point line, also had five assists as Turk Telecom beat Leap Cabellus. The MVP this week is James Felding from Hapoel Jerusalem, 25 points in a win over Rasta Vecta. Latavius Williams from Halone is on the team of the week with 18 points and 12 rebounds, 9 of 11 shooting from the field. For Williams and Miro Balan from Sasari, 23 points in a win over Ostend. Dave, did the team of the week committee get it right this week? Yeah, I you know last week was really strange because usually, like I said last week, it seems like you know maybe one guy here, you know, but uh, yeah, nobody really out there um, really caught my eye that you know definitely needed to uh, be on there that was, that was not included. So good job, uh, BCL team of the week, uh, selection committee. Yeah. I think the team of the week looks good. My only complaint is I think Jamie Smith, uh, should have been the MVP this week from Bandirma. We'll talk about that game a little bit more later, but Smith was fantastic. 29 points and a clutch three as Bandirma got their first win. Borgos lost their first game of the season. Uh, but we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later. First, Group A. Dave, let's let's start with the highest scoring game in the history of the Basketball Champions League. 227 total points between Torun and Halone. Halone win on the road, 122 to 105. Some absolutely crazy stats in this game. Uh, Torun, the most points ever in a loss. Uh, they're also the only team to lose with three guys who scored at least 20 points. Halone, their 122 is the most points in competition history. That includes games that went to overtime. Dave, what, what were some of your thoughts on the highest scoring game in, in BCL history? You know, I, I think more than anything else, the thing that you just said at the end, the 122 actually being the most points ever in a game, even, you know, we've had double overtime games. And, and that's still more than that. You know, I think that's probably, um, the thing that, that stuck out the most. I mean, wasn't there a 159, 158, uh, NBA game, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, just, you know, seeing just, I, I, you know, 227 points in a single game, non-overtime game in the, in the BCL. Just, I mean, I, you, you, you kind of stumbled over saying that just because it's so almost absurd, but yeah, just, uh, absolutely crazy. Um, I'm sure home fans, um, you know, they might not have seen a, a victory for their team, but you know, Hey, seeing 227 points is, um, it's uh, special. They saw history, you know, who, who doesn't want to see a little bit of history. Absolutely. And speaking of a little more history, Chris Wright for Tarun is now the first BCL player ever with three straight games of double-doubles from points and assists, and also the first BCL player with three double-doubles in the first three games that he played in the competition. 
So some cool history there for Chris Wright. Unfortunately, Tarun got the loss, so he's probably not too happy about that. Elsewhere in this group, Strasbourg beat Manresa 81-63. Dave, Strasbourg were number 23 in Igor Djurkovic's power rankings this week on ChampionsLeague.Basketball. Uh, that was because they are 1-5 in, in the French League. Is it, is it panic time for Strasbourg, or do you think this win over Manresa is a little more telling about how good this team is? Um, I'm not selling my Strasbourg stock just yet. Um, you know, they beat a Manresa team that, you know, they also, you know, don't look uh, really that strong uh, record-wise in, in their league. But, you know, Manresa, they beat Yonica and Real Madrid. But looking at Strasbourg, you know, okay, the, the, the record looks really bad um, at 1-5, but they've lost to um, both undefeated teams in the French League. And they lost at Borges, who are five and one. They lost at uh, Monaco, who are four and one, and they lost against Chalet, who are four and two. So um, five of the five of the top teams in the French league they've lost to. Um, and the one team that they that they did beat, who they should have beaten, they lost to they they beat the last place team um, at their place on the road by thirty one. So you know it's a team you know. That and two of those two of those French league games were on the road. They they lost to Asvel only by one point. Um, so you know it's a team that's that's still you know a to- really a totally new team uh, with all the, the younger guys compared to last year are still trying to find its way in the French league playing the top teams. So I'm not st- selling my Strasbourg stock just yet. All right, Dre Grant and Gabe York both with 17 in that game for Strasbourg. Frankie Ferrari, by the way, is back for Manresa. Best name in the competition. Yeah. He missed the first couple weeks of the season with a broken wrist, but he's back for Manresa, so watch out for Ferrari. Elsewhere in Group A, Turk Telecom beat, nine, beat Lee Cabellis 91-77 to in a very weird game, and Sasari beat Ostend 90-81. to uh, Dave, any thoughts on those other two games? Yeah, you know, just watching that, uh, I really wanted to go back and watch, uh, see a team. Lee Cabellas were actually down by 26 in this game, but they were down by 14 in the fourth, tied it, and then lost by 14. Uh, not not an easy thing to do, uh, but you know you have to you know you have to look at and tip your hat to um, to uh, Turk Telecom for you know first of all giving up an entire 26 point lead and then a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter. And then just turning around and, and going on a 16-2 run on the road, um, you know, in Lithuania uh, to, uh, to to get the, the 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 road victory. Smith attacks the mismatch, gets the two. Here's Smith throws up a prayer. Oh, the prayer's awesome. All right, moving on to Group B. I want to start this one off, Dave, with Tech Suite Ben Dirma. Beating San Pablo Burgos 84 to 81. Uh, we're both very high on this Burgos team. We, we think they're final four contenders. Bandirma handed them their first loss of the BCL season. I mentioned Jamie Smith at the top of the show on the team of the week with 29 points. He was unstoppable throughout the game. He was getting to the rim whenever he wanted, had some beautiful little spin move, fadeaway jumpers from the mid range, and then some dagger threes late in the fourth quarter. To, uh, to put the game away. Outside of Smith, I was really impressed with this Bandirma team. Uh, they, they won the game with just great energy and hustle. And if you look at the box score, the rebounding battle, both teams had 38 rebounds, but it seemed like Bandirma just got every 50-50 ball. They were aggressive attacking the rim. Omar Pruitt really stepped up in the third quarter. He had 10 points in less than two minutes during one stretch. Uh, that was a stretch where Borgos were threatening to pull away. Bandirma were down seven, and uh, he gave them the lead with that flurry of points there. And then Bandirma, just good execution in general in this game, out of timeouts, uh, on sideline and baseline out-of-bounds plays. They're, they're clearly just a well-coached team. So congrats to Bandirma getting the win. Uh, Dave, did you have any, any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I you know you mentioned Pruitt and I I thought Pruitt was fantastic, um, and uh, and you know actually Emmanuel T- um, Terry, you know he was a guy that you know in our in our preview show for for groups A and B I actually Pip Tip uh, Pip kind of thought maybe he might even be sort of the uh, all star lineup for for this group. Um, you know offensively he hasn't you know really been able to do it, but you know defensively everything else you know 13, 13 rebounds. 
uh, three steals, two blocks. Um, and, and this team is also, you know, they've gotten the, with the addition of Ian Hummer, you know, it's just another, you know, another offensive weapon. And then they got all that youth there, um, to really kind of push these, you know, let's call them older guys, even though none of the, none of the, the, the Americans are really old guys or anything like that. But compared to some of these, uh, young Turks, I mean, they're, you know, uh, they're, they're actually pretty old. Um, so they have that youthful, youthful exuberance as well. So yeah, you know, you know, Ben Diemer, I think last week we, I think we both kind of thought that, you know, this is a team that was 0-2 that, that could be very easily 2-0. and So, um, yeah, you know, this is a team that's really exciting. Uh, and, uh, with a guy like Jamie Smith and, and, and an energy guy like Terry, it's, it's a, it's a good group to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Emmanuel Terry's defense was fantastic. Uh, he, he was blowing up pick and rolls out at the three-point line. He was blocking shots, and I think he was a big reason why they were able to hold Borgos to 81 points. Uh, Borgos, in their two previous BCL games, had scored 90 and 110. So uh, great defensive effort by Ben Dierma, led by Terry in that game. Elsewhere in Group B, Anvil beat Power Ortez 95-87. to Anvil pick up their first win of the season. We'll talk about that more with Tony Roten later on the show. Ike beat Antwerp 62-51, to and Hapoel Jerusalem took care of business at home, beating Rastafecta 98-87. to Dave, any thoughts on the other three games in this group? Uh, Ike, you know, they're going to definitely D it up. Um, uh, but I just, I wonder if they're going to have enough weapons. Uh, you know, we, we're going to talk over the next couple of groups about some guys coming in to, to, to new teams. And I can imagine Ike maybe bringing in a score. I don't think we talked about, uh, Ike actually being, uh, bringing in a score. I mean, okay. That we know they have Lankford, uh, but maybe a guy in the, in the post that can do a little bit more scoring, you know, 62 points, you know, I don't know if there's if they're going to be um, able to to afford uh, not being able to score the uh, in the Jerusalem Fechta game. You know, we've t- we've talked all year about the uh, about Fechta and their and their three point shooting. Um, the thirty three uh, sh- uh, three pointers made was a, a record in the BCL game, and uh, uh, Fechta seventeen was the tops this year. So, um, you know. Uh, at, you know, Fechta lost on the road in, in Jerusalem, but, you know, it's a tough atmosphere. It's a young team that's still kind of, uh, you know, developing and finding itself. And um, so a good result for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is a really cool Rasta Fechta team. I would re- definitely recommend checking them out whenever they play. They're fun to watch. Over to Group C, let's start it off, Dave, with Tenerife beating Peristeri 72 to 68. This was actually Peristeri's first loss in all competitions this season. They came into the week ranked number five in Igor Jerkovic's power rankings. For the week, Tenerife were number six, but it's Tenerife who get the win 72 to 68 in this one. Um, Dave, remember, remember a couple weeks ago when I said Antwerp have the best jerseys in the competition? <laughs> the, the, the black ones with the yellow. Are you changing up now? Hey, Manresa's not too bad either. Man, no, Manresa's no. not too bad either. But go ahead. Go right, for it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going the opposite way. I think, I think Tenerife oh. is the, the The yellow with the white numbers, <laughs> you can't read the numbers. It's, it's a nightmare. Um, but anyway, aside from the jerseys, this was a pretty ugly game overall. Tenerife with 18 turnovers. Peristeri, not much less than that. Uh, but Tenerife, great job defensively holding Peristeri to just 23 points in the first half. Uh, this was a game where both both teams seemed like they were kind of in slow motion, especially compared to you know Jerusalem Fecta or Halon Torun. This was a slow, grinded out type of game. Uh, it looked like both teams were jet lagged, which is definitely possible given the the long trip over to Tenerife, uh, especially in, in Peristeri's case, the trip from Greece over to the island there. Uh, but Peristeri, despite the loss, you know I think I think your guy Kingsley Moses. Looked pretty good. Stephen Gray had 26 points, uh, even though they did not come easily for him. Um, and Tenerife have a lot to figure out. This is a team that you know is constantly near the top of the BCL. They won the first year of the competition. They made it to the final last year. But this team uh, definitely not as cohesive or as dangerous as past years' edition. So I'm interested to see if Tenerife are able to uh, look a, a little bit better going forward, even though they are 3-0 and right now. 
Uh, did you have any thoughts on this one, Dave? Yeah, I mean, you know, you 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 mentioned uh, slow and everything else. Uh, you know, how about heavy heavyweight slugfest? I mean, you know, this is you know these are both teams that uh, that we thought uh, could you know make it to the to the final four. Um, and you know, Peristeri, you know, hey, you lose uh, by four points uh, in Tenerife, you hold them to 78, 72 points. Um, and you're getting reinforcements. Uh, Yannick Moreira is coming in, uh, knows the Greek league, played at Pauk, uh, won the uh, BCL last year with Virtus Bologna. Um, so, and you mentioned, Mo, you mentioned, uh, Kingsley Mosley. I was, I was pretty happy, you know, after touting him for so, for so long, so many times there at, uh, at Antwerp for him to finally come through for me. That was pretty cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think, you know, one of the things we saw about last year, you know, the Tenerife team is they had so much left uh, from from that first team, from that team that won the title the first year. And and it's a lot of uh, changing parts. And, uh, you know, that and he uses uh, Vettoretta uses so much of his lineup and, you know, and all those guys knew that from last season, from the year before, from the from the season before that. And so now. All these guys are trying to, you know, figure out. Okay, well, I might not play that much this week, and tr- trying to figure out how to accept that in their roles. So, um, I-, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I would imagine they'll be fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, it- it's it's not easy. Uh, I-, I can imagine it's not easy going into a game and not knowing exactly, you know, what your role is going to be from one week to the next. Yeah, for sure. The other games in this group, Nizhny Novgorod beat Mornar 89-69. to Bomberg picked up their first win of the BCL season, beating Gaziantep 76-66 to on the road. And Nimburg with a road victory as well, beating Riga 91-72. to uh, Dave, what were your uh, thoughts and takeaways from these ones? Uh, Nizhny Novgorod, I would say you have to be happy that you only turned the ball over seven times. Uh, Mornar, you know, they... They're definitely one of the bottom team bottom teams in this league. Uh, Bamberg, uh, you know, a road victory in Turkey. Um, definitely have to be happy about that. Uh, again, though, they showed that they're they can be let's call it Bamberg ugly so far this year. They just scored the nine points in the third quarter. Um, Jason Rich, uh, just seven of fifteen uh, so far in in there in the in this in his first game with them and they're adding another piece as well with um with uh Ivan Bua coming over he obviously played with uh, Besiktas last year so that'll be another weapon for them um one thing i just i i, I looked at uh, actually i don't know how many sh- shots right now but uh you know Paris Lee really hasn't he 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 led the team in scoring with 13 um but really didn't uh you know take the initiative, let's say, take the shooting initiative, let's say, you know, um, you know, he's really, uh, working hard to get everybody involved. And I, I think, I just wonder maybe sometimes he's going to, uh, need to take a little bit more of the scoring initiative. You know, it's maybe something to watch, uh, over the next, uh, next few weeks. This man's having a hot streak as well. Holston. Another three, three in a row, David Holston. Moving on to Group D, let's start it off with Dijon. They are the only team in this group that is still undefeated at 3-0. They beat Brindisi 95-79. to Dijon is now 3-0 in the BCL with all of their wins coming by at least 14 points. They did it this week without Rashid Suleiman, who was the leading scorer for the team in the first two BCL games. Uh, this was an interesting game. Dave Brindisi jumped out to a 14-4 lead. Adrian Banks hit consecutive threes early, and we know how dangerous Banks can be. He was the round two MVP after he exploded. Uh, but Dijon, you know, credit to their head coach. He called timeout. He yelled at them to get back on defense in transition to close out on Banks. That resulted in an 8-0 run for Dijon, and then they were more or less in control uh, from there. The, the key for them was in the third quarter. David Holston absolutely caught fire. We've talked about Holston before. We both love watching him. He's what five foot six, five foot seven, uh, smallest player in the competition for sure. He hit four three pointers in the third quarter alone. Finished with seventeen points and nine rebounds or nine assists. 
Uh, and Brindisi, 21 turnovers in this game. Tough to win like that, especially against an athletic team like Dijon with a great point guard in Holston. Uh, Dave, what were your what were your thoughts on this one? Are you in panic mode about Brindisi? Uh, no, not yet. Um, and because I, I I still think they're gonna I still think they 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 need a big. Uh, but you know, you look at, you want go back and watch the first four, first, like four or five minutes of the fourth quarter. And, and they had so many layups that they just, just couldn't hit. Uh, you know, they were, they were down by whatever it was, you know, 10, 8, 12, and none of their layups would go in. You know, they had so many decent looks and none of them fell. And they just also couldn't grab an offense, a defensive rebound. You know, uh, Dijon just kept those possessions going with those offensive rebounds. And, um, you know, that, that could have cut into that, um, uh, to that, uh, that deficit, um, and then would have given Banks and, and the starters, um, who were on the bench at the start of the fourth quarter, um, that would have given them, you know, a little bit closer of a gap to maybe close off at the end. But, you know, they, you know, you have to tip your hat, uh, to, to Dijon for, for, you know, grabbing those offensive rebounds and, and making those, uh, you know, you know, trying to, you know, make those layups tough. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a home victory. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not selling my Strasburg stock and buying Dijon stock yet. I, I, I'm not, I'm not totally convinced on this team. They've beaten Falco and they've beaten Neptunus so far. You know, this is a big win for them, Brindisi. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on them yet. I know Igor, uh, Djurkovic with the, with the, uh, the rankings, power rankings loves him. I think he had him at two last week. I don't know where he's going to have him this week. I, I'm not, I'm not buying them just yet. They haven't really beaten anybody in the French league. You know, they have a nice record, but they've only beaten one team in the, in the top eight. And that's the eighth place team, you know, whereas Strasbourg, for example, has, has lost to, um, whatever, you know, five of the other eight, uh, teams in the, in the top, uh, in the top eight. So it's a team that you like. I mean, you definitely have to like two, two good, strong point guards with, uh, Holston and, uh, and former, uh, there's the go. Uh, so at least one of our former, uh, uh, guests on the show, <laughs> one Alex, uh, um, Axel Julian. So, but, um, yeah, so it, it, it's, it's a good team to, to watch and, um, but uh, I'm, I'm not necessarily buying Dijon stock just yet. All right, Dave, a little bit skeptical about Dijon. I, I think I'm all in. I'm, I'm going for it. I like this team a lot. They're, they're just too much fun to watch. I, I want to be, uh, I want to be rooting for this Dijon team. So I, I think they're going to be uh, probably at the top of Group D when it's all said and done at the end of the year. Elsewhere in this group, Bonn, another team that could win this group. They beat Besiktas 86 to 82. Zaragoza with another one-point victory. They beat Falco 70-69. to And Neptunus smacked Pauk on the road, winning 94-72 to in Greece. Dave, any thoughts on the rest of Group D? Uh, bond Besiktas combined 45 turnovers. Pretty ugly. But, um, you know, I, I really like this Frazier. Um, I, I like this Bond team a lot. Frazier, you know, Zimmerman coming off the bench, big lefty. Can t- you know put it on the floor a little bit? Um, I-, I went back and actually watched uh, probably too much of the Pauk uh, Neptunus game, but uh, just wanted to see. Yeah, I-, I love games that go just swing back and forth. And you look at the first quarter, Neptunus won it uh, 30, uh, 32 to eleven, and then second quarter went to Pauk twenty eight to thirteen, and then the fourth quarter or third quarter went twenty eight fourteen for Neptunus. Uh, Pauk, um, at the time of the recording, it's, it's unclear exactly the, the status of their head coach, um, whether or not he's been fired or not. It's not 100% clear right now. There are reports that he has been let go. Um, but this is a team that's, you know, 0 and 3 lost at home here to a Neptunus team. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and Falco, man, Simbate almost had this game. I mean, you know, Pearl twice in the, in the final, uh, 23 seconds, um, actually gave them the lead. Um, and, uh, the steal by, by DJ, uh, the, the steal by DJ Seeley at the, uh, at the buzzer, uh, that, um, you know, Curry couldn't get the shot off, uh, was, was, was pretty impressive to watch. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, uh, you know, go back and watch the Saragossa Falco game. Cause it was pretty fun. 
All right, it's time for overtime. Five topics from around the league. First up is the team that you were most wrong about before the season, either positive or negative. I'll go first with this one. I'll go on the positive side. Uh, Rastafecta have been a lot more impressive than I was expecting. It's a, it's a young team with not much experience. Also, just a young club in general without much of a history in Europe. I was expecting them to struggle a little bit uh, this season. Instead, they've come out with two double-digit victories, beating Anvil by 13, beating Power Tez by 15. And okay, they, you know they lost to Hapoel Jerusalem at and in Israel, but everyone loses to Jerusalem in Israel. They you know were still able to put up a bunch of points in that game. I I think their offense is going to be a really big problem for teams throughout the season. The way they shoot the three ball, attack the rim with those athletes. And coming up next on the schedule, they've got Antwerp and then Bandirma. If they win, uh, if you know, if they win those two games, they're looking at four and one going into uh, into the tougher stretch of their schedule with Ike and Borgos. Uh, I, I think you know we could potentially be looking at, at this Rasta team as like a fourth seed uh, playoff team coming out of this group. Uh, they, you know they've shown that they can take care of business against some of the lower level teams in the group. So if they beat Antwerp and Bandirma, who are kind of on that tier with them, uh, then they could be pretty dangerous this year. I, I think. Uh, who who are you most wrong about, Dave? Um, I actually initially picked uh, Fecht, um, um but I uh, I let you go first, and uh, I I did have another team uh, ready, and it's Dijon. I know we just said you know I'm not buying their stock yet, and um, but I I I look back at my rankings and I had them seventh. Um, to finish seventh in the in the in the in the group um, ahead of only Falco, so behind Neptunus and Pauk. So I would say I'm pretty wrong so far about about uh, about Dijon. You know, you look at Holston and and Julian. You know, they're averaging 15 assists uh, a game and and four steals. Um, so yeah, Dijon fans. Um, yeah, hey man, you know you have to accept uh, accept and also mention when you're wrong, so that so that you can also go and say, yeah, I was right about them. But yeah, Dijon so far, again, like I said, I'm not buying them, you know, to be Final Four yet. But uh, you know, I, I, they're definitely not the seventh place team in uh, in Group D. All right. Next up is the surprise player so far, either good or bad. Uh, I'll let you go first on this one, Dave, since I stole Fekta from you. That's okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Jamel Haggins uh, with uh, Gaziantep. Um, you know, this is a team that's 0-3, but, you know, it's been a team. I think you talked about it last week, you know, said this is a really fun team. And if they bring in Rich, um, it could be exciting. Now they're bringing in Bua as well. Um, six, nine center, real athletic, you know, does a lot of, you know, really great defense, um, and, and, and offensively can, can do some things as well. You know, he's a guy that, you know, really hasn't, uh, this is kind of the, he's, he's, he's been around a little bit, was in, at Rouen and Colossus and, and Aris and, and then, and then, uh, was at, um, uh, Omana Ryer Venezia in 1718 and then played for sort you know two lower level teams in um uh, in in Turkey um and now you know really getting a chance to 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 shine you know he's averaging 12 7 and 12.7 points a game shooting 63% uh 8.3 rebounds uh two two steals and 1.3 blocks so it's a guy it's a guy I really didn't know very very well it's hard to really, you know, the, the the game is so big in Europe and it's hard to know everybody. But this is a guy that was absolutely zero on my radar. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, Jamel uh, Haggins over in uh, Gaziantep. Who do you got? Yeah, I went with Daryl Willis from Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, he, he's actually listed on the BCL website as Daryl and Willis. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then Daryl everywhere else I've seen it. I'm not sure which he prefers. Uh, but regardless, he's been really good. 17 points uh, per game in the competition. That's tied for 14th. Also, nine rebounds per game. That's good for sixth. Uh, he's another young guy, 23 years old. Uh, he played in Cyprus last year for his rookie season and had a great year in Cyprus. Uh, won the championship there and was the cup MVP. Uh, but I didn't really know anything about Willis. Uh, you know, Like you were saying, Hagen's one of those guys who just kind of flew under the radar for me. Uh, but he's been great for Nizhny, and, and that's a Nizhny team that, you know, they lost Kendrick Perry, who was by far their best player last year. Uh, we knew, you know, they needed some other people uh, to kind of step up this year and fill that void, 
and Willis, completely different player. He's you know he's a he's a big guy, uh, but he's giving them some great production this season. So Daryl or Daryl and Willis, uh, whichever whichever he prefers, is my surprise player. Next up, the three and O team that will lose first this season. Just as a reminder, the three and O teams right now: Turk Telecom, Hapoel Jerusalem, Nimburg, Tenerife, and Dijon. Dave, you want to go first? Okay. Um. You know, uh, some people might say this an upset, but I'm not actually. I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna call it an upset. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Tenerife. Um, Tenerife are gonna lose at Nimbrook. Um, you know, this is a Nimbrook team that we, we that we really like. It's in it's it's in uh, it's in Czech Republic. Uh, Tenerife just showed that they. Um, you know that that there's that there's questions there. You know, I really I really like this Nimbrook team, and uh, I I think they're gonna grab grab the uh, home victory over Tenerife. So, uh, what do you got? Yeah, I actually said the same thing. I I think Nimbrook over Tenerife at home next week is a good call. Uh, you know, Tenerife were very sloppy in in this game against Peristeri offensively. If they do that again on the road at Nimbrook, they're gonna get punished. Uh, Yaramir Boachik and uh, Hayden Dalton and all, all the great players on that Nimburg team. Uh, I, I think they'll take down Tenerife next week. So I agree with you there. Uh, and I would I, I would I would say the other you know top the other good choice might be Turk Telecom where they go to Manresa. You know, like we said, Manresa has beaten Unicaja and uh, Real Madrid. So um, you know, Turk Telecom going on the road to um, to Manresa would would probably be the other. If I had to, if I if I would have given you the first choice and you had taken that, that, that's probably where I would have gone next. Next topic, which winless team will get their first win? Uh, just as a reminder, the 0-3 teams right now, Leap Cabellus, Pau Ortez, Gaziantep, Mornar, and Pau. I'll go first for this one. I think Gaziantep will get their first win next week against Riga. You mentioned that they've added Jason Rich. He played this week, had 17 points. Ivan Bua coming over, uh, Hagens and you know Crawford, Drew Crawford. They've got some other nice pieces there. So I think Gaziantep are, are better than their 0-3 record suggests. I expect them to win next week against Riga. Dave, who do you got for this one? <laughs> you know, that's probably the only, let's call it safe bet. Um, I, if I had to pick another one, that was my choice. Uh, that, that If I had to pick another one, Maybe lead Cabellus at Ostend. Um, interesting. All five teams are on the road. Um, Mornar uh, at Bamberg. I just, I don't, I think Bamberg have, have at least um, started the, ter- the curve of the turning the curve. Um, you know, they've started that uh, Dijon, uh, you know, Pauk's playing at Dijon and, and Pau is playing at Burgos. Burgos is going to want to um, come back. And so if I had to pick another one, I'd go Leap Cabellus uh, at Ostend, but uh, Gaziantep uh, at at Favriga, that's what I would pick. All right. And the last topic, stat of the week, Dave, what's your stat of the week? Uh, I'm going to go with three. Um, There's actually a couple more stats on that, but uh, I'm going to go with three. Three points by Antwerp uh, in the uh, third quarter against Ike. Um, They went 0 of 8. From two point range, this is all the third quarter. O of eight in the third uh, on twos, O of six on threes, three of six from the free throw line. They had five turnovers, and and uh, but they had six offensive rebounds. So they kept missing, but they had their own. They got their own misses and just kept missing. Um, they didn't hit a single shot in the in the third quarter. Uh, just the three free throws, and that only fifty percent. Three of six, so three points. What do you got? <laughs> I'm, I'm really sorry, Antwerp fans, uh, but my stat of the week is also about how bad their <laughs> offense was. Uh, 51 points for Antwerp was their lowest total in their BCL history uh, and also the lowest total of any team in the league this season with just 51 points. And this team, they beat Bandirma 93-90 to 90 last week, so they can score. They, they put up 93 points, but a lot of young guys on this team, I, th- I think there's going to be some wild swings like this throughout the season where one week uh, they, they look really good. The next week they score three points in a quarter and 51 for the game. Antwerp, so, Antwerp we loved sorry, you guys last year. We loved you guys last year. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so that'll do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Tony Roten. Tony is fifth in the league in scoring right now, 19 points per game. He helped Anvil win their first game of the BCL regular season against Powell Ortez. Dave uh, talked to him about that and much more, so stay tuned for that, and we'll catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up. All right, so on the, week, on the show this week, we have uh, Tony Roten from... Uh, Anvil, uh, Tony, thanks for uh, taking some time to talk to us. Well, my pleasure. Anytime. Uh, first off, I guess uh, congratulations. Uh, you guys uh, got your first victory in the BCL this season. You guys beat uh, Power Tez. Uh, maybe uh, how how good did it feel to, to get the W after uh, losing those uh, first two games of the season? Uh, actually, it was a great, great win for us because it's something we can build off of. You know what I'm saying? We know we're a really good team. But, you know, we just got to put put it all together. And, uh, you know, the France team was a really good team. We knew it wasn't going to be easy. And we know that's how Champions League is. You know, there's no, no easy game, no off nights. So you got to bring it every night. And uh, for us to get that win, I feel like it's going to help us into the future. And, you know, and we just get the better basketball. Um, Anvil's first two losses were, were on the road. Um, you know, and this is a, this is a pretty tough group, Group B. Uh, with some pretty big teams, um, maybe how important was it to defend home court? You know, obviously you you know to 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 advance. You know, you're gonna have to win as many of those home games, and then maybe steal a, a couple of road games here and there. Maybe just talk about the importance of defending the uh, the home fortress, if you will. Uh, you always got to take care of your home court. You know, always. And our fans out here, it's unbelievable. You know, I still believe we have one of the best fans fan bases in all of Europe. You know how passionate they are. Like we had our first game in Germany, you know, we had a hundred fans there. You know, that just shows you how passionate our fans are. And like you said, we have it's one of, if not the hardest group. So, you know, we don't have no light, no, no, no easy games. So we we definitely got to take care of home court. And because you know it's, it's going to be even harder on away games and the teams we in our group. So we know how important each game, each and every single game is, especially at home. Obviously, this is a building experience. This whole this whole journey, if you will, um, you know, you know, maybe going out on the road and and you know, you know, talking about uh, you know long road trips, um, you know, as sort of a character and and binding experience. Maybe just how important. Maybe what are some of the things that you guys learned from those first two road losses that helped you get the road win, uh, get the home win? It's just ten times harder, and then when you're traveling. Your travel days, those are usually the days you practice. So you have to really focus in on the scouting, the film, and, you know, studying players because those the, the, the day or two that usually have to practice is usually the travel days. And, you know, especially a lot of teams are not in the big city. So it's our days are long, tiring, and, it's you know, it's hard to, to travel and play. But that's not an excuse. We still got to come out and play and give our best ability. So, you know, these first two away games, it taught us a lot and taught us, you know, it's a different type of preparation, a different type of focus. So with that being said, coming into our next game, which is a big one against Jerusalem, you know, we just got to focus, respect our, our opponents, and lock in when it's time to lock in. Uh, against Paul, you you had uh, 23 points, uh, 9 of 11 shots, 4 assists, uh, 2 steals. Maybe just talk about what was really working for you. Um, actually, my teammates, you know, uh, my, my teammates playing team basketball, my teammates setting grid screens, my teammates, you know, telling me, you know, to keep being aggressive. And playing as a team, that's when we all, everyone, when you win, everyone's happy. And uh, we know how bad them two losses felt. So for us, it was really knowing how talented and how good we are capable of being. You know, and then, you know, I feel like, our last game, we showed glimpses of putting, putting it all together. And for us to be able to play play good basketball and get the win, it just shows us moving forward. You know, we just got to keep building off this. We'll come, we'll come back to the team in a little bit. May just uh, come, go to you a little bit. Um, you come from a real athletic family. Your dad was uh, in the NFL, American football. Um, your mom was a college track, track star. And uh, you actually – played three sports at a high level, baseball, football, and basketball. What kind of led you to choose basketball over the other two sports? I actually played four sports. I ran track as well. Oh, there you go. But um, 
it was just um, basketball and football were my two main sports. And then um, as you kind of get older, you know, you kind of, you know, organically fall into the, the sport that, you know, you're usually the best at or you usually know you have the most love for. And then my thing, I, I love football. But, uh, you know, my, my pops, you know, he was born to be leaning towards basketball. And I knew I was, uh, I was gifted at the basketball. So, you know, as, as years kind of went on, I kind of just drifted in the, in, the, in the basketball, you know, year by year. I just cut the sports down, you know, stop playing baseball first, you know, just and I played track, uh, football, and basketball all the way through high school. And then, you know, as you get older, I just stuck with basketball, you know, and, and you know, blessed with God-given talent. You know, I made the right decision. A lot of kids nowadays, you know, specialize in one sport and really focus on that uh, year round. Um, you know, you just mentioned you actually had four, um, which is actually a lot, even, you know, uh, but um, do you think it was helpful that you played multiple sports? And, 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 and uh, do you think that, that people, you know, should still try to do that nowadays? Yeah, most definitely. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, it, 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 at the end of the day, it, it it's great, especially as, as younger as a kid. You know what I'm saying? And it's more about having fun when you're young and playing a lot of sports and playing different sports. You kind of you know meet new friends. You know, you kind of figure out organically, you know, what you're going to be better at. You know, because a lot of kids they want they want to play this sport or want to play that sport, but their God's gift of talent in different sports, you know? So it's just more like playing, playing all sports and having fun and not just cutting yourself short. It's only playing one, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I feel like as, as a young, as young, you definitely play as much as, as many sports as you can. And I feel like, you know, naturally, you know, you'll kind of, as you grow, you'll kind of see what you're the best at. You think there's a, there's a time when that, when that, you know, final decision, let's call it that, or when that comes in? I thought everybody's different, you know what I'm saying? Everyone is different when, you know, figuring out what's going to be your sport. Like for me personally, you know, as I got older, I was, you know, basketball, you know, was naturally the thing I was best at, you know, and I just didn't force it. You know, I just, as I was playing, you know, and the results, you know, I knew I was, you know, my thing was basketball, you know what I mean? I just, and it just depends that everyone's different. You know, some people figured out at a young age and some people way all the way to the end of high school. You know, so it, it all depends, and that's why I just feel like playing multiple sports, you know, can only help you. Yeah, uh, both your parents went to University of Washington, and so did your cousin Nate Robinson, who obviously a lot of uh, basketball fans would recognize. Was it a pretty easy uh, decision for you to go there when it was time to uh, to, to to choose a school? Oh uh, yeah, you know, it most definitely because um, you know, us Seattle guys, we love where we're from we love seattle we love all that and you know for me i just wanted to stay home and put on for my city and you know i could have went to any any college in the country but you know even though i was showing a lot of places love i knew at the end of the day i knew in my heart that i wanted to be home and play for my own city you're you're from seattle and and obviously seattle is a is a great uh, basketball city uh, you know, we always like to ask, uh, people, our interviewees, you know, what, what it was like growing up there, uh, maybe just, um, going back, uh, in the summers playing in the crossover, you know, which, 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 uh, Jamal Crawford organizes talk about Seattle hoops. Oh man. I feel like we're one of the best cities when it comes to basketball. And we have so many great talented players in the NBA that used to play in the NBA and that's coming up now. And, you know, um, we don't really have a community that brings us together. So a lot of players from different areas. But when we're playing basketball, I feel like basketball is what brings us all together. And, you know, that's why I feel like our summer summer basketball is so, so terrific. Because at the end of the day, we're all one. We all come together and we're all playing at one arena. Um. Back in 2008, you you were probably right around 15, 14, 15 years old when the, the Seattle Supersonics left town. Um, how how do you look back on that? How do you remember that? What did you what did you think about that? You know, you know, we're we're now whatever seven, um, 
you know, 11 years, 11 years later now, how do you, how do you remember that move uh, from, Se- from Seattle to Oklahoma city? Oh man, it really, honestly, it took the air out of all of Seattle, man, because of how big of a sports city Seattle is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and our fan base and how strong people are passionate about their sports, you know, see the Seahawks and stuff like that. So especially the players we had, you know, and I, and I honestly believe if Seattle would have stayed, if we would have kept our team, I feel like we would have kept James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and KD. You know, that's just how big of a fan base we are and how big of our um, our fan base are. I feel like we're definitely going to get a team back in the future. Yeah, and Seattle's a great city, so I mean you can attract uh you can attract players there. You know, obviously Oklahoma City has always had, you know, issues maybe trying to bring in guys other other locations as well, but Seattle's a great city, so it's not like somebody's gonna say, Oh no, I don't want to go to to Seattle. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Not, I have never heard nobody say that, you know, and then if you go back and watch K D and Kevin Durant and see his interviews, he still talks about how much he loves Seattle and he still comes back to Seattle. He has actually he just recently opened up his own court outdoor court in Seattle. Oh wow! So and it just shows, yeah, it just shows, you know, how much people love and care about Seattle. And I fight that's going to definitely help us get back. Back in uh, 2013, you became the first NBA, yeah, first player in NBA history to have a triple double in their first career start: uh, 18 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists, 10 rebounds um, against uh, Houston. Uh, what do you remember about that night? Oh man, it was just a very special night, you know, um, being able to do something no one's ever done before, you know, that's something, you know, I can tell my kids, I can tell my family and all that. And, you know, a lot of people might do it after me, but one thing they can't say is they did the first and, you know, that's something that's going to last forever. And that's just, you know, a blessing that, you know, I'll always be thankful for. Uh, after a few years in the NBA and the G League, um, you know, obviously battling uh, injuries and whatnot, uh, you decided to come to Europe. Uh, maybe what was the biggest adjustment uh, from U.S. to Estonia? Uh, you know, really like the time and, you know, a different culture. And, you know, being it so much ahead of time, you know, it's hard talking to my family. Sometimes I'll be able to have to stay up three, four in the morning just to, you know, just to talk to him and, you know, just a big culture shock, you know, just being, a, being away from stuff that you're not used to and things that makes you comfortable, you know, just being able to, you have to step out of your comfort zone. And I feel like that was the biggest, the biggest difference. I saw that, that you, you know, it took a, took a long time for you to kind of, let's say, come to grips with it, um, that you didn't even like going anywhere by yourself at all. Um, hated, hated, uh, flying, um, you know, maybe what was the, what was the final factor to maybe get you to the, to the point where you kind of said, let's say accepted it, you know, as you know, this is, this is what, you know, this is, uh, it's happened for a reason. And now I want to get the best out of it. Talking to my friends and family, you know what I'm saying? And one of my close friends, he's always tell me everybody's path is different. You know what I mean? And that's when I really just accepted it, you know, stop complaining and just body in everything. And once I body in and stop, stop counting the days down and just start making the days count, you know, that's when everything started to fall into place and I started to play better. And then, uh, you know, I was generally starting to become happy. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, one of your first games was uh, when you actually set the record in the Estonian Latvian league, with Kalev with uh, 22 assists. Um, how do you even, how does somebody even get 22 assists? Um, you know, just being unselfish and then having great teammates, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I didn't even realize it, you know, at halftime when they told me I had 14 assists, that's when I really started pressing because um, I didn't even, I just feel like I had like six, seven assists or really. But um, yeah, it was just one of the nights where, my teammates was knocking down all, all kinds of shots and, you know, just getting everybody involved. And I didn't even know I set a record until after the game, you know, one of my teammates said, you know, had the most, most hits ever in that league. So it's just an honor, you know, some, another accolade I can, you know, add to the list. Uh, 
if I'm not mistaken, you also won the uh, the Estonian League Championship. Maybe just what did that mean for you to to get that? I mean, when you accomplish anything and when you accomplish a championship in any league, you know, it's a blessing. And, uh, you know, for us, for us to be able to win a championship, you know, that's something that's great. And that's the show the type of teammates we have had. And we all body in and all came together and was able to lift the trophy. Uh, and now, now you're with Anvil, actually the Polish champions. Maybe, um, you know, you were able to see a little bit of, of let's say um, North and Eastern Europe, um, you know, what are your first impressions of Poland? Oh man, just the community and the fans, you know, they brought me in like I was one of their own, you know, and they helped me, you know, transition very well, you know, and ever since I first came here, it just helped me tremendously and helped me a lot. And then it, it made my transition that much easier. And not to mention, you know, how crazy the fans are, you know, it's just something that I cherish and, you know, I love being here. We we asked some of our um, uh, basketball champions league fans for questions on on social media. Uh, here are a couple of that uh, came in for you. Uh, Marine Dating Five uh, asked top four, top eight, top sixteen. What is a minimum target for Anvil this season in the BCL? Man, top one, man. We not, you know, we want to aim high. You know, we want to win it all. And I just feel like. If you if if you on a team and your goal is not to win the whole thing championship, I just feel like you're in the wrong business. And you know, with that said, it's gonna be extremely tough. But um, we want to win the entire Champions League. You know, and take it one game at a time. You know, because we you know we have a great coach. You know, a great team. And we just need to put it together and continue to work hard at practice. At the end of the day, you know, our goal is to be successful. And, you know, we want to win it all not just be satisfied or not just be okay. Oh, we made it off the group or we upset a couple of teams. So we're good. Nah, you know, we, we, we want to push the limit and continue to reach our goals. And once we reach our goals, add new goals. So, you know, I just feel like winning the championship is our goal. Underscore jazz. You um, asks how complex is coach Milicic's defensive system? <laughs> Actually, at the beginning, when I first got here, it was extremely complex and extremely difficult for me because, you know, I'm just things I'm used to, you know, NBA defense and his defensive schemes is just a lot different. You know, he's more of a scientist. and So it was extremely difficult for me. But just like anything in, in life, you know, once you buy into it and once you really focus and learn it, you start to understand it and you start to see why he does what he does and why he, we play our defense. And then, you know, still to this day, you know, when I make some defense errors and and there's something I don't understand, he'll show me on film and he'll be and he'll show me, you see, when you did that, you got the steal. And it just shows you, you know, buying into his defensive scheme, you know, is one of the best defensive schemes there is. And it's not it's not like your normal defensive scheme, so it's obviously gonna be difficult. But, you know, as days go on and every day in practice, it becomes easier and easier. Um, stuck, stuck Vips, um, ask, what do you think about Anvil? Oh, I love Anvil, man. You know, um, I always talk about the fans and how great they are. And they help us win so many games. So I have great teammates, great coaching staff, you know, great guys in the front office. And then you combine that with the best fans in Europe, man. It just motivates you to, you know, pay them back with wins. Uh, Zuzia Novak asks, "What's your favorite film?" As we kind of move away from basketball for a little. My favorite movie is two. Of, I got my favorite movie is Step Brothers and Life. Okay, um, I've seen uh, I've um, I've seen that you're kind of a, a sneakerhead. Uh, maybe um, how's your kicks game developed? Let's say, um, especially now being over here in Europe. Uh, it's actually it continue to grow, you know, because they have a lot of kicks that they don't might not have in the states, and, mm-hmm. or might get them before you know the states get them. So they're always continuing to grow, and I'm always searching and looking for new shoes and exclusive shoes. So my shoes are definitely growing, especially being out here. 
not a lot, not, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of downtime. So when I do have downtime, I'm looking at new shoes. What, what makes you decide to buy a new pair of shoes? Man, it's a lot of different things, man. A lot of things that go into it. You know, I'm really big into fashion. So, you know, that's another thing. And also, I'm very superstitious when it comes to basketball because I feel like if you look good, you know, it's going to help you play good. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors in that, but those are the two main ones. As someone who's not a sneakerhead, but has actually talked to actually seemingly more and more people who are, um, it's, it's, uh, I'm trying to understand them more and more. Um, how many, let's say what percentage, not how many, but let's say what, what percentage roughly of your, of your shoe, shoe collection have you never worn? It depends, you know, cause some shoes, some, some shoes, I get two pair of shoes cause I know I'm a play in them I see. Okay. and, you know, wear them you know, casually. So it, it, it varies, but I feel like 50% of my shoes I haven't worn yet. <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to, and, and, and do you think that's, how, how, how would you explain to someone such as myself, um, who, who's not a sneakerhead who might look at that, who might hear that and think, you know, you have a pair of shoes that you've never worn. How how would you explain that? It's got to be the right time. Man. You can't, you know what I'm saying? I see. Okay. You know, so it's not that you, so know. it's not, it's, so it's not that you plan on never wearing them. It's just that you haven't worn them yet. Yeah. You All know, right. but some, you know, there's, there's some shoes that you get that are like, you know, like trophies. You yeah. know what I mean? Like some shoes that are exclusive shoes that you might not touch, you know, you know what I'm saying? You might just have it just for, just to have it in your repertoire, just to have it in your closet, you know what I'm saying? But for me, it's like, it's got to be the right time, the right moment, you know what I'm saying? The right things. And, you know, it can't just be like, oh, I'm about to wake up and just put these shoes on. You know, there's always a reason and there's always something behind it why I got these shoes on today or why I'm wearing these shoes in the game. What's your biggest prize? Shoes-wise? Shoes-wise, when I was playing for Philadelphia, I had some a fan customize me some Jordan 10s you know, um, with, this, with the, you know, Sixers logo and those shoes I will never forget because, you know, it's, it was some shoes that are customized, the personal edition for myself, which no one had. So like I said, it was a one of one. So, you know, that's the most prized. That's something that will always be with me in the shoes that I'll always have. You, you, you've actually mentioned them a couple of times and I, and I wanted to come back for one just question on the, on the Anvil fans. You actually uh, posted on social media uh, back in September um, that uh, Anvil have the best fans you've ever played for. Um, what what makes them so great? Because we, we we've heard about that uh, last year uh, when we talked to uh, Lachinsky. I mean, just talk about what year. What makes these Anvil fans so great? How passionate they are, and how you know crazy they are in a good, in a great way. You know what I'm saying? And I was explaining the difference between NBA fans and fans out here. It's just like. You know, back in, you know, the NBA, you know, during like timeouts or during, you know, that's usually like their downtime and that's usually when they're not, you know, really clapping or cheering. And, but, you know, Anvil, there's not, it's not stop. You know, sometimes I can't even hear myself, you know, I have to really, really get close to my teammate to tell them, you know, what play it is and that. And then, you know, you can't bring no instruments and no, no drums and no whistles in the NBA, in the NBA game, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, in Anvil, pretty much everybody has one of you know some kind of instrument or some kind of something they swing in, and just insane, man. And just that's you know that and that just helps us and motivates us to pay them back, you know, by you know getting wins, matching their effort, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you look at the group of guards and wings that you guys have put together, um, you, Ricky, Chase, uh, Crystal. Um, and that's a pretty dangerous unit. Uh, maybe how good do you think this team can be? I feel like we're capable of being special, you know, because we, like you said, we have a great backcourt, you know, not to mention a good, a very good team. And, you know, coach putting this team together, you know, it was a very special group. And we're still learning. We're still getting better at playing with each other. And, and I just feel like once it clicks, you know, it's going to be very special. Um, next, next week you guys, uh, play at, uh, Hopple Jerusalem. Uh, you have a matchup, uh, with, um, with MVP this week's MVP, James Feldeen. How excited are you for that matchup? Uh, I'm excited for every matchup, you know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing more special than that team, than any team. So I'm, I'm excited just like I was when we played against a France team. You know, we, we know, you know, Jerusalem's a good team and, you know, they are historically, they've always been a good team. 
you know, they have very some good players on the team, but you know, it's going to be tough playing in you know in a hostile environment like that. But we ready. We're looking forward to it. Uh, last question. Um, you know, you're, you you said uh, if you're not going to play to to win the the title, there then there's no reason for you to be playing at all. Um, you're not going to obviously win it tomorrow. Uh, you know, this week, whatever, next week. Um, but maybe. You know what this team needs to do. Um, you know, let's say starting next week um, to to get towards that that goal that you guys need to. You know, not just the old. You know, we have to improve game by game. Uh, but but what are some of the things that that are sort of the next things in line for you guys to do to 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 reach that uh, that group that you think is uh, could be really special? Oh man, like you said, you know. Um... We have a really strong group, you know, if not one of the toughest, the toughest. And um, we know this win for us back home is big for us, and I just feel like we can build off this. You know, we know Jerusalem is a really good team. You know, they had a big win the other night. You know, and we just need to continue to build and worry about Anvil, you know, because once we do that, don't worry about what else, the outside was going on. You know, I feel like everything will take care of itself at the end of the day. And you know what we're capable of, and you know it's not going to be easy. But I feel like it's a very capable, very, very winnable game for us. All right, fantastic, uh, Tony Rowan. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Um, good luck uh, uh, over the course of the the season, both uh, domestically in Poland and uh, the rest of the basketball Champions League. Uh, thanks for for taking some time out for the Coast to Coast uh, podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, thanks again to our guest this week, Tony Roten from Anvil. Uh, Dave, uh, what, what did you think was uh, kind of the most interesting about that interview? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, as a guy who really, you know, I mean, I, 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 have, I have no clue about the sneaker world. I'm, I'm cheap sneakers, and that's, that's just, you know. Uh, I always like to have it whenever I have a chance to, I like to try to talk to sneakerheads just to kind of get into their, their brains a little bit to try to figure out what it's all about. So that was pretty cool to, to do that. Um, uh, but yeah, just, just talking to a guy that that's really seen and done a lot. Um, you know, I remember him actually from 2010, he was on the USA team that won the U17 world cup and, um, you know, just, uh, uh, to, to hear how passionate he is, um, uh, about the fans in Anvil, I thought was was really cool, and it's something that we hear a lot. And but to hear an NBA guy say that, that I think that that really kind of you know uh, takes it and hits it home a little bit more. That that you know that they that 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 passion uh, you know uh, even again even for a guy that has you know has seen and done so much um, you know triple double in the NBA and and comes here in Europe and 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 really just totally praises uh, the fans of of this club and which we've which we've been hurt we've been talking uh, having talked about all the you know the last you know season and a half so um, yeah a lot of good stuff in there yeah absolutely thanks again to Tony for joining us on this week's show Dave let's take a quick look ahead to game day four. Some of the best games from next week, of course, on Tuesday, you have to check out the matchup of the two undefeated teams in Group C, Nimberg versus Tenerife in the Czech Republic. Dave and I both have Nimberg in that game. That's on Tuesday. On Wednesday, a lot of really interesting games. Uh, I'll definitely be watching Strasbourg versus Halone. Halone coming off their 122-point performance. Let's see if, what they can do uh, on the road against a good Strasbourg team. Uh, Dave, what are you most excited for for next week? Yeah, I think the Ben Dirma Ike game uh, should be should be good. See, you know what, uh, you know what, if Ben Dirma can can uh, you know uh, build up on that that win, um, you know Hapoel Jerusalem going against Anvil, you know they've grabbed their first victory now. Um, they had two games on the road that they lost, you know, so this will be good. Um, and uh, yeah, also Brindisi, you know Brindisi at home against Bixiktas. You know, these are, you know, both teams that we, that we kind of like. And so, um, you know, Brindisi to see, um, you know, I, I'm sure that they're going to want to turn the ball over less. They had 21 uh, uh, in their, in their loss. So yeah, a couple, a couple of really, really good games this week. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a great game day four. Remember to subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand. 
Go check out the official website, championsleague.basketball, for all the stats and news and the highlights and everything that you need. Thanks again to our guest this week, Tony Roten. Thanks to all of the fans who gave us some great questions on Instagram. We always appreciate that, so keep those questions coming throughout the season. Thanks again to David Hein over in Germany. My name is Austin Green. This has been BCL Coast to Coast, and we'll catch you next week.